You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am Rev Yearwood, President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. My co-host today, Mustafa Santiago Ali, is actually in New Orleans, down there working on some great things for the environment. But today is a special day because we will have with us U.S. Congresswoman Zaya Paul, um, who will be with us later on in the show. So let's actually get into some of the pieces here, what's going on in the environmental movement. Um, I just also just want to thank all of our listeners um, who tune in each week. We, we, man, we, we love you. But let me talk about some things that we want to get into in regards to what's happening in the climate um, movement. Um, I think I want to, there's a lot of things that are happening um, in the environmental justice movement and the climate movement, and so I want to talk about that. Um, one of the things I want to kind of get into was that um, a couple of weeks ago uh, we were in Alaska um, and we were standing for salmon, and, and salmon... Um, is a keystone species. It's an important um, species for Alaska, and, you know, really they've been fighting so long. There have been so many times we put mines and, and plants, and they want to, you know, and I'll get into the Arctic. And they they want to dig in the Arctic refuge, but they want to block, block the way for salmon. Why this is important, um, I didn't know much about salmon, y'all, really. I didn't know much, but... Being a keystone species um, means that other species literally don't exist um, um, if you're gone. And so the salmon, um, the, in the Pacific salmon, because there's, there's the Pacific salmon and the Atlantic salmon, but the Pacific salmon is actually the keystone species. And this species actually, um, you know, one of the amazing things about it is that when it's born, um, it's born... Um, you know, in the stream and, and up there in Alaska. And then it swims down into the ocean, um, which parallel to our movement and what's, why it's important for that initiative, which actually is a ballot initiative that they have in Alaska um, for the Stand for Salmon, is this, is that the salmon um, goes up to the ocean and they begin to kind of fatten up. And many of the folks in our movement have kind of fattened up in the ocean. But to fight for the next generation, they have to kind of go upstream, um, go back into the environment where they came from. And I think a lot of us in this movement like to stay in the ocean and speak to those in the stream and tell those who are going through that, man, you know, if you're going through what you're going through, um, then, you know, it's good out here in the ocean. But we have to get back into the stream. We have to go upstream. And what's amazing is salmon then goes upstream, and they swim sometimes. The king salmon 
swim swim almost a thousand miles to go back to where they were to fight for future generations. And that's what we're fighting for here on this show, Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. That we're fighting sometimes upstream, sometimes we have to leap over rocks, sometimes we have to get out the, the grasp of bears, um, but we have to continue this fight um, for our planet. There's nothing like it. And so I just want to thank all of you who are with us in this journey um, and along this process as we move forward and in, in to make sure that we can fight for um, humanity and fight for our planet. Let me talk about also some other things that are going on in the climate movement that are important. Uh, Costa Rica. Man, I am so happy for Costa Rica. I mean, it's exciting what's going on. Costa Rica is going 100% clean energy. I wish I could say this for America. I wish this would be, but they banned all fossil fuels. How exciting is that? This is what needs to be done. We need countries to take bold action on climate change. And so Costa Rica, I mean, listen, I don't know. I, I got to make a, I, I mean, it's already a pretty place. I already seen the brochure. So I already wanted to go to Costa Rica. So now I'm, I'm all in now. I'm all in to go to Costa Rica because they have moved forward to ban fossil fuels. Um, let me also, just as I go through some of these things, is our, our movement is amazing. I, just want to, I want to talk about some things on this special show here. If you're tuning in, you're tuning in to Think 100%, um, uh, the coolest show on climate change. Um, and I told you before, the reason why this show is important is because this show follows in the legacy of Damu Smith, one of the most amazing environmentalists that we have seen. Um, and we we, we know that he rests in power, but what he showed us with breaking down silos is kind of the reason why this show exists. So I also want to give a big shout-out to the 16-year-old Girl Scout. So if you think you're too young to make a difference, you can make a – I don't care if you're 16, 61, or 106. Now, you know, you're making it happen if you're 106. And you can play it. You can play it. And so you can definitely make it happen that way. Uh, so, but this 16-year-old Girl Scout convinced Alaska Airlines to get rid of plastic straws on all of their flights. I flew Alaska Airlines to Alaska. It was pretty impressive. Um, so, but she, 16-year-old um, Girl Scout, and she got rid of plastic. It's a big band plastics movement. Um, and so it's, but this is very important because plastics, as we all know, are terrible for the environment, particularly wildlife. Um, but plastic pollution most definitely harms our water quality in urban communities. Um, so please check out uh, strawlessocean.com for more if you're interested in finding more about the banning plastics. So you can go to strawlessocean.com uh, for more information. Um, last weekend, um, and if you was paying attention, a little, a lot of rain uh, here in the DMV area. I know, I don't know where you are in Cali, if in California, if you're listening in Houston, if you're listening in the Bay. Hope you have nice weather. We are actually looking for an ark, I think, here in D.C. <laughs> I'm looking for somebody to start collecting animals two by two um, with all the rain that we 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 had here in D.C. But we had actually a, a great event last weekend called Hands 
across the sands. And this was something where these activists so literally held hands up and down our coastlines in the name of not letting offshore oil and gas drilling become a reality. So this was a very important event they had last weekend. Um, it was on both coasts. It was throughout the country. It was interesting. People who were in Nebraska, I don't know if they have much sand or a coast in Nebraska, but they were holding hands. They just found some water, I think, somewhere to hold hands. Uh, but these activists literally held hands, and it's very important um, for those, if you are part of that movement, thank you. Um, that was very important. Um, another thing I want to give a shout to my, my brother, uh, Bill McKibben, um, for his great new article in Rolling Stone. If you're not, if you don't know who Bill McKibben, let me actually just break that down to you. Bill McKibben is, he is, you know, so w w next, next week, I think we're going to be talking about the environmental movement. You don't want to miss that show. There's a great movement called, uh, Green 2.0. And it talks about some of the things in our movement where our movement can be a little, little Birkenstock, you know, you know, a little Birkenstock, a little bit, you know, it's a little, a little, little bit sometimes when folks don't think that people of color uh, are in the movement. And that's what this show's about, broadening the movements. So we have more people to fight the issues and fight for clean air and fight for clean water. And so I think that we've been, you know, having some internal discussions that are important. Um, but Bill um, is like, you know, he's a, he's a brother, um, Bill McKibben, um, who's in Vermont, he's in Middlebury. Um, he gets it, even though, you know, he's a white guy. Um, but he understands why it's important for that we all, you know, as I would say, God's children. So it's black, white, brown, red, yellow, all of us coming together, fighting for this planet. And he gets it. So he, is, he wrote a, a great article in Rolling Stone. And that article is called Hit Fossil Fuels Where It Hurts, the bottom line. And I think there's an important divest movement that has been happening. Um, I was on a, a Do the Math tour a little while back with Domi Klein, myself, and uh, Bill McKibben. Um, we were on that tour um, that was really kind of launching um, the divestment movement. And it was very powerful um, in that aspect. Um, so... Uh, you know, I would encourage you to 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 read that article. Uh, we, I guess before we have we have some serious discussions here. Congresswoman Jaya Paul is going to be with us here on Think One Hundred Percent, the coolest show on climate change. We'll take a little break right now for my dear brother Biz Mark E, who wrote a climate song, and then right after that, we're going to get into this great interview that we have with the congresswoman. Did you even know the Senate was deciding your fate? Ten years for clean energy, they wanted you to wait. Let me tell you a story of our situation on how we empower this U.S. nation. Two things are going on, I hate to bust your bubble, but the climate is changing and the economy's in trouble. Walking down the street in the Cleveland town, a woman passed by, I asked, why you look so down? She says, I lost my job, my only hope's clean energy. Close down my order plant, we need a factory. Ready to work, we got the science and skill. And for two million jobs, well, we need a strong bill. You think that our leaders would jump at the chance, but the lobbyists got them shaking in the pants. So I went to 
the Senate, and that's for real J, but when I sprung the question, they acted real strange, all we need is a clean energy law, but all they just hearing is blah, blah, blah. Welcome back to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am very excited. From the great state of Washington, Congressman Jayapal is a champion um, in the, the Congress. Uh, we had Congresswoman Barragan. We've had Congressman McKeachin. And so she is a part of that. Uh, trifecta. Yeah. And so actually, we'll start there. Can you actually give us a little background on yourself as well as a little background on the task force and committee and work that you've been doing on environmental justice? Yeah. Well, first of all, it is so great to be on the coolest show uh, on climate change. Thank you so um, much. We so really good to have you. appreciate it so much and appreciate everything you're doing to use this platform to lift up environmental justice issues. Uh, my name is Pramila Jayapal. I represent the great state of Washington's 7th district, that is Seattle and surrounding areas. And this is my first term in Congress. I've been a civil rights, immigrant rights, human rights activist for the last 15 years. And I decided to run for office because I decided we activists were ceding too much political space by not actually running for office ourselves and being at right. the tables where these decisions get made. So first Indian American woman in the U.S. House and also one of only about a handful I think maybe 12 people in the entire United States Congress who were born outside of the United States. So I came here by myself when I was 16 years old as an immigrant. My parents had about $5,000 in their bank account. They used all of it to send me here by myself. And I've been fighting for the things that I care about for the last 15 years, organizing civil disobedience protests on the outside, doing things like that. It's great to be in Congress. And when I got here... Um, my district cares very much about climate change, um, but the you know we have had challenges in really making sure that the equity issues within the climate change dis discussion get lifted to the top. And so Don McKeachin and Nanette Berrigan, all three of us are new members, um, one from each of our minority caucuses, so the Black Caucus, the Asian Caucus, and the Hispanic Caucus, we all got together and said, let's actually create this environmental justice task force where we can look at legislation, where we can look at actions and promotion of, of activities across the country that really need to be lifted up in terms of the disproportionate effect that communities of color face around the burden of climate change and the effects of climate change. And so, for example, but not just climate change, but all environmental issues. So if you look at, for example, the people who are located closest to toxic waste sites, mm -hmm. over 50% of the people who are located within uh, a 1.8 mile radius of toxic waste sites are people of color. If you look at lead poisoning, 
um, what you see is that African-American kids have 11% uh, of those who are experiencing, kids who are experiencing lead poisoning are African-American kids versus 2% who are white kids. And so we really wanted to lift up these particular pieces and we um, ended up introducing a whole package of bills that we're very excited about that. Give us, give us some of those, give us some of those yeah, bills. Yeah, so those bills are environmental um, justice grants, so specifically focused on bringing everybody to the same starting point, if you will, focused on equity around cleanup, you know, the Duwamish River cleanup, for example, in, in Seattle, primarily folks of color who live around a, a, a river that's been deeply polluted and toxic. Um, in Nanette's area, same thing around lead in water systems. Mm -hmm. So grants that would focus on helping those communities to address the disproportionate burdens of uh, a polluted air, polluted water, you know, all of our, all of our environmental um, pieces. And so we introduced a package of three bills around that. We would like to codify the, uh, the uh, Office of Environmental Justice, which was established under the Obama administration, and then rolled back and taken and away. Our, and our co-host was, was in that office. Exactly. Our co-host, exactly. And he spoke at our press conference um, announcing the caucus, which was, or the task force, which was really fantastic. And I think so much of the work that Mustafa did was exactly what we're trying to lift up again. And so um, we're grateful to Mustafa for that, and we're grateful to the people who have really said, okay, if we're going to look at climate change, if we're going to look at the environment, we have to look at where those burdens disproportionately fall. We're about to introduce uh, an initiative in Seattle, in Washington State, excuse me, around climate change and, and actually uh, a, a carbon tax. And what we want to do is make sure that we are putting some of those dollars into these communities that are disproportionately burdened. And so that is in the climate initiative. And if we pass it, it's going to be a landmark initiative in our state. Well, let's, let's stay there in Washington, because I know there are some fantastic activists. So I want to shout out for all those who are in Washington and in Seattle who are listening um, to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Um, thank you. Because uh, you guys out there are, I mean, let's let's talk about that. Because you come from a state yeah. that has some great climate activists, but also struggles. You have yeah. a state where people have said this: you have the one of the greenest governors. Yeah. Um, but let's go into actually for so for those who are listening, I, I know this, but tell them. What is a kayaktivist? <laughs> <laughs> See, and we also have the best names, right? Yeah, I the mean, best. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, this is, it's, yeah, it's one of the coolest names for sure. <laughs> well, so when the Shell oil rig docked in Seattle, or try, tried to dock, I should say, yeah. didn't dock, tried to dock yeah. in Seattle, um, a bunch of people, um, we have a big movement of folks who have been opposed to drilling um, in in the Arctic and, and drilling offshore and uh, believe that fossil fuels should be kept in the ground and right. that we should preserve our oceans. And, and so um, we had a whole group of kayaktivists, people who went out in kayaks to stop the drill from actually coming in and being docked in Seattle. And we were successful. Those are, those are activists who are in kayaks. Correct. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we, we had the WTO in Seattle, too, and, yep. and one of the greatest experiences I remember way back, way back then 
was marching between the hard hats and the sea turtles. You know, I mean, <laughs> literally on the streets um, in the middle of civil disobedience actions and tear gas and the whole thing. But we've, we're proud to be at the forefront. And as you said, our governor, one of the greenest governors in, in the country, has focused on this issue. But a lot of the folks also that are at the ground level have been really trying to figure out how do we build our movement to um, stop climate change, to keep fossil fuels in the ground, to move to a 100% renewable energy future. I'm proud to have co-sponsored co the 100 by 50 bill. I was one of the six original co-sponsors of that. Um, and that is really saying, look, we can move to 100% renewable energy by right. 2050. We, this is not a, a, a hypothetical. We could do it, but we do have to invest in it. And we've, we've got to show the path, and we've got to make sure we're creating good jobs, and we've got to make sure that ultimately Ultimately, we're um, also helping the communities that are most burdened. So let's fast forward there. So we had these great activists, kayak activists, if you don't know those are <laughs> activists in You're going to have to come out and, and get in a kayak oh, with we'll, us. We'll, we'll, we shall see <laughs> to the blind man. <laughs> um, but also another great name which was around that with Shell, was Shell No, yeah. so which was also fun. And But not many fun names, they were very serious. So let's fast forward that one to... You mentioned protect the Arctic, but also with Kingdom Morgan. Yeah. So fast forward to that. How does that? How did? How does that? And these activists get involved with that that fight as well. Well, that has been led primarily. Uh, Greenpeace has been out there. A number of groups. Um, and uh, it, it, there was just recently. I'm trying to remember exactly what just happened. Just last week or the week before. I think maybe this weekend. This weekend. Okay. Uh, my time is by, all. They had it. They had it by, by land and by sea. Yeah. Which is, I think, I see. Maybe a Seattle thing. Maybe that's it, kinda... it is because <laughs> we're right there on the water, yeah. and so. Um, and so that has been, I think, uh, really important. I haven't followed that one as much, so you should probably tell well, me what's well, happening. But so there's a lot of pipeline fights that are going on. Oh as yeah, you know. right. And so the Kingdom Morgan fight is 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 one of the fights that's going on. And just want to give a shout out to those artists. I think I, I want to make sure that the parallel there is that those who are fighting with the the Shell No are the same activists who are now fighting that. And have been the same activists who have fought all of our other coal terminal battles as well. I mean, we have a, a, a group of of really strong organizations Tell and folks individuals. about that, 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 that fight. That's a very important. And then also get into the market base, because I know in the past about initiative there was some friction there. There was, with yeah. With this community for communities of color. So then talk about those two things. Yeah. Well, on the coal terminals, I got to give the credit really to the Lummi uh, Nation because mm. the Lummi Nation folks and, and chairman at the time, Tim Ballou, who's a dear yeah. friend, now running for state senate actually in Washington state, um, he, 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 the, the tribe really led those efforts on the coal terminal up, up there in the northern, northwestern part of the state and were able to stop that, that coal terminal um, there and also, by the way, took a whole group of people over to DAPL. I mean, went over to the Dakota Access Pipeline as well. And so that, I think a lot of our fights have been at the border. People don't always realize it, but that border area there um, gets into, you know, they want to put a coal terminal there so that they can get around the some of the uh, transport issues across mm -hmm. the border. and. And so now we have another fight going on. I think it's in Longview um, around another coal terminal um, that is being proposed there, the Millennial Coal Terminal. Um, some folks say, oh, well, Seattle should be excited to support that because it would take the goods out of Seattle. 
but it still has to go through a whole bunch of communities right. as it's being transported down. So I'm not supporting something that takes it out of Seattle but puts it on some other community. Um, but yes, I think that there's a very robust network of groups who are on the pipeline issues, on uh, even the banks. You know, it was a little bit complicated there, but we did try to um, get out of our contract with Wells Fargo in Seattle. The city council mm -hmm. passed a resolution around that uh, because of um, because of the funding of the pipelines. And so we've done a lot of work around that. I think on the climate, the past climate initiative, that was the last carbon tax initiative that failed. Uh, it was put forward without really building a coalition and this is what i would say is so important if we're going to if we're going to fight climate change and if we're going to really make sure we protect our environment right. it's got to be a coalition it's got to have black and brown for folks those who are listening cause i know sometimes we have a lot of new people in the movement yeah who are listening to this show like man this is cool this is the cool show on climate change and i didn't really know about climate change i didn't know about climate justice i didn't really understand with yeah. this but now i'm getting engaged from right. other movements i was involved with this movement with regarding you know education or health care or criminal justice and i'm i'm listening now explain to them one like what this that that what that coalition was yeah. or what was missing from that well, so what happened is there were people who, you know, totally the right things on their minds, right, which is how do we protect our environment? That's a really simple question. How do we protect our environment? And believed that if we question. could, that's a core question, yeah. and believed that if we could just tax carbon, put a price on carbon, then that would help us to, you know, really hold these oil companies and fossil fuel companies accountable and that we would ultimately then reduce the amount of carbon that is is uh, is utilized is out there and so that was the goal the problem is with any giant thing where you're taking on the biggest corporations you have got to build a powerful coalition that's going to stand with you right and we have learned this the hard way on a whole bunch of things including gay marriage by the way when mm -hmm. we when we worked on marriage equality in washington state we had to really bring along everybody in all of our different communities a, a broad movement very broad movement same thing here you can't do it if you're going to leave a lot of folks out. And what some, if people who are listening haven't followed all of this, there hasn't always been the attention paid to the folks who live by the highways who have incredibly high rates of asthma. The most vulnerable. The, the most vulnerable people. And so what happens is if you price carbon, but you don't take any of the money that you get from that, and give it back to trying to get people who are experiencing all those health impacts, for example, or trying to clean up the Duwamish River, or are having to drink that polluted lead, then you're leaving them way far behind. And, by the way, we didn't do any outreach to them, so they didn't even know what the initiative was. And so that initiative failed and some of us had to come out against that initiative which was not easy to do because it wasn't crafted with everybody at the table and all the voices speaking this time we have we have brought labor in because you know there has been in the past and still today tension around stopping um, you know using coal terminals for example or, or fossil fuels or even the pipelines it's work for a whole bunch of people and unless we provide a transition where those workers have something else they can mm. do they're going to be left right. out in the cold so we actually brought um, and the coalition that was formed and again the the uh, the tribes were really important Fawn Sharp, big shout out to Fawn Sharp, 
um, from uh, one of our main tribes in the Quinault in Washington State who really came to the table and said, we got to make sure this works for the tribes, we got to make sure it works for folks of color, we got to make sure it works for our labor unions. So everybody was at the table. It was a long, convoluted, difficult process. But in the end, there is an initiative that has the support of all of these groups. So that is what is going to go to the ballot. It will, if it's successful, put a price on carbon for the first time. It will, if it's successful, specifically allocate resources to communities of color who have been left behind. It will take into account the issues that the, the tribes are facing and the treaty rights issues the tribes have. So um, I think it's a real opportunity for us to do something really phenomenal. And, and Washington State is used to being at the front. We passed you know, one of the first $15 minimum wage Yes. In, the, in the country. I was on that committee. Um, we passed some of the best paid safe and sick days uh, legislation in the country. I was on that. We are, you know, one of the few states to still allow driver's licenses for everybody, regardless of citizenship. We have uh, worked on um, issues around incarceration and specifically law enforcement assisted diversion programs on the ground that get people supports instead of throwing them into jail. So, you know, we think we, we, think we do yeah, things well, really you well. Gotta, you got you to have folks move to Washington pretty soon. Yeah, you got you to have folks packing their bags. Can and you hit, tell hit, I'm hit, proud? Yeah, no, you got you to move to Seattle. Talk to our, let's, let's talk to our, let's, let's bring it home because now you're, you're not in the other Washington, you're in Washington, yeah. D.C. Yeah. Um, and as a congressperson, talk to America and our folks who've been in this movement for so long who are in, well, actually, before I get that, what are your thoughts on there's been campaigns around Boot Pruitt, Scott Pruitt, the EPA member? Oh, I think I was one of the first ones to, to do hashtag Boot Pruitt. Um, he, he, the guy has to go. I mean, he has to go for so many different reasons. Um, it, it's like, give me the list and let me count it down. How do you spend $35,000 on a phone booth? And what are you saying in that phone booth when you use taxpayer dollars for that? You know, all of the corruption and the ethical issues that uh, investigations that are going on with Scott Pruitt and then the incredible damage that he is doing which by the way those two are deeply tied because yes. the 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 corruption is about selling the EPA to private investors and corporations that's what it's about you pay a certain amount of money and you get to have your rule that says that you know you can you can drill wherever you want or you can and and some of those rules by the way are coming up against barriers you can't you just can't do those things administratively so explain so explain some of that so right now we have there's a clean power plan there are the car standards there's clean chemicals, water chemicals yeah. so explain what you mean because people don't see those barriers where are those barriers that can kind of hinder this kind of this tearing down of this regulations for polluters well i i don't want to be um I don't want to be too Pollyanna because some of them are going through and, yeah. and he, is, he is doing a tremendous amount of damage. But there are a few where um, he does not have any research to back up his administrative rule and then they tried to push it through without that. And so now it's being challenged by the ethics office and by different agencies that are saying, well, wait a second, where is the, you know, have you, have you gone through all the steps that you need to go through if you're going to change a rule? And in some cases they haven't. That said, 
he, you know, this administration has been very successful at just using administrative powers to turn back a whole host of things that are bad for our environment. And, you know, I kind of wish that we would rename the EPA instead of calling it the EPA. I wish we would call it the Agency for Clean Air, Clean Water, and Human Health. That's right. Because that's I what, like that. that, right? That's what it is. Because Environmental Protection Agency sounds so far away. But really what we're talking about is people breathing clean air, people having clean water to drink, people having public lands that they can, you know, that they can enjoy, people being able to have the resources. Just today I was visited by um, some folks from the Arctic, and actually uh, a member of the Gwich'in tribe mm -hmm. was here in, in D.C. and came to see me because I've been a staunch foe of drilling in the Arctic. And, and he was talking to me. It was really so moving. He was talking to me about his grandkids and the, and um, you know the animals and the birds that yes. have been migrating caribou through they through there. The caribou, exactly. Yes. And it was it was really beautiful because he was saying, you know, this is the only thing. He said, we don't have much. We're we're poor. We don't we don't have a lot, but we do have our land and we do have our um, our migratory herds that come through, and that is what we rely on. And so this is taking away my grandchild's future. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. And uh, it, was, it was deeply moving. So, you know, I think that um, what Pruitt is doing is very damaging, and he can move some of these things very quickly. But I will just say to the listeners that are out there that I have been amazed at how we've been able to get rid of cabinet secretaries because people have spoken up, um, how we've been able to, you know, roll back rules and stop things from happening because people have spoken up, how we've been able to defeat Trump care three times because people spoke up and went into senators' offices. And so I just think for everyone listening, to know that none of the, everything that's happening happens because choices were made, which means that we can make different choices to get ourselves out of that situation. And, and that's why I think it's so important, the show that you're doing and the work that we're all doing to kind of try to expand the movement and help people understand what does it mean to, what does is, what is what's happening mean, and then what can I do, and how do I raise my voice? And I can just say every single voice really does matter. So I got a couple, couple more questions that I think that are important. So one thing that we share, I was the um, first person in my family born in this country. My parents, uh, I know Mama's listening right now. Uh, hi, Mama. Hi, Mama. <laughs> uh, were uh, from Trinidad and Tobago um, in the Caribbean. Um, and we have, um, you know, uh, as, as immigrants to this country, and it's amazing because you're right. You said it's... I usually find folks from immigrants to this country like us yeah. who love this country, uh, love the country where we came from too, our, yeah. that, our history, yeah. our, you know, and, and, and what that means. But um, people don't understand that climate change is having an impact as well on with as far as immigration is Oh, absolutely. And what we saw in particular with um, Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. How people were afraid yeah. to go to shelters. They were grasping their children because they were afraid because they would be turned over. And that just seems to be to be like this, this inhumane and just uh, just not the kind of country. So from that uh, from that perspective, I would like for you to talk to. Um, we have a, a large audience of folks who are listening, yeah. who are new to this movement, 
And if you can talk to them, explain to them why is environmental justice and, and, and why, and, and not just from a, you, you, have a, you have a great history. So you come from, from your background, from an activist, you've been around the progressive movement, you're now in Congress, but if you were just, um, just ordinary Pramila, right? And you're just, hey, I'm just an ordinary citizen. Talk to them and tell them why it's so important to be engaged in this movement. Yeah. Well, um, climate change is the crisis of our time. It's not just people, immigrants who are here in a in a climate crisis like a hurricane um, that are afraid to seek shelter. But if you look at people around the world whose livelihoods depend on that piece of land that is being submerged by rising sea tides. If you think about the migration patterns around the world of why people are leaving, drought, famine, um, lack of water, you know, people walk across deserts, uh, can't get, can't get the, the food that they need, don't have the water that they need to drink. I mean, a lot of what's happening around the world and, and is driving migration is related to climate. And so I think that whether you're here and dealing with the effects of that and climate change here or whether you're in some other country, the reality is that we are seeing a world around us that we rely on for our everyday nourishment, livelihood, and that we want to pass on to our children and our grandchildren disappear. We are seeing our resources be privatized. We are seeing um, all of the effects, which are really like the downstream effects of climate change is what we see. But the, the root causes are maybe even more hidden. I mean, it's what the Gwich'in people were talking about, yeah. right? Um, but we see the effects here. We see uh, the ways in which our salmon, our, you know, our, all of our species, all of our diversity of species that, that has been so important to the planet being able to survive, we see that all going away. And you can see, you know, temperature changes, dramatic temperature changes. You can see ice melting. I went to Glacier National Park, you know, I think it was 20, 15 years ago. It, I looked at pictures. There's nothing that looks the same anymore. All of that ice has melted. Um, but even in terms of our human health, our water, our, our air, the climate uh, fluctuations is a, a, it's affecting everything. So why would we care? Well, I have a 21-year-old son, and um, he says to me, Mom, you better damn well do something about climate change because this is my future. I'm not going to have a planet to live on anymore. Hmm. And I think that that's true across the world. And I think that um, some of the island people that live in, in uh, you know, par parts of countries where you've been to or you, yeah. you, you've no, come from, I mean, from. they're going underwater. The, the Virgin Islands. That's uh, right. And uh, obviously Puerto Rico, which is, you know, and which is uh, uh, Americans. Uh, that's right. I know some folks don't want to remember that. People don't want to remember that, yeah. Um, and other parts of the Caribbean. But yeah. yeah. But, and that's why during the Paris Accord, I thought it was so powerful. You know, people say, well, what does a, a degree here or there mean, right, in terms of... It, but what it means is your island gets submerged or it doesn't. Yes. Uh, no. Your country gets submerged or it doesn't. And so it, it, it's deeply, it means a lot to everybody um, if people really start to understand how
how it affects and it's not it's not something that's distant it's something that's right here so and for those who listen in that Paris Accord was part of the Paris climate agreement right um, which we signed on to right and then our current president said that we're no longer in right and there were many brave governors and mayors uh, and who said now we're still in yeah um, and you're right that degree for people like the Maldives right means literally if they will become climate refugees right or not but let's stick with your, your members I, I'm on the board of the League of Conservation Voters yes. LCV and we do a little scorecard thing yes uh, <laughs> you know and we gave you a pretty good score there yes you did and it would have been a, it would have been 100 percent except I was in the hospital for one vote I, I, you know it's funny so those who are listening uh, you know I, I, this is I put up my uh, my my board director's LCV hat on now. Yeah. Um, other than that, which is still cool, y'all. Now they be like, oh, you're no longer cool anymore, Rev. It's still cool. <laughs> uh, but um, we we do a scorecard, and we we and it's and it's it's if people miss a vote sometimes, that gets kind of like so. <laughs> I know. I was so disappointed. I'm like, okay, you're on the board. I'm taking it to you. I was yeah, in yeah, the hospital. Yeah, I was is. in the hospital. But uh, no, you hear I that, was. Gene? Where's Gene Kapitsky <laughs> yeah, at? Tell Gene Kapitsky, would you? That's right. That's right. Let's have some accountability yeah. here. Um, no, I was. I mean, I'm thrilled with that score. But you know, obviously, it's like something that is so deeply important to me, and I am so committed to addressing climate change, to building the movement, so we can take on the biggest polluters, the fossil fuel companies, the people that are doing everything they can to pour, you know, millions of dollars into, billions of dollars into keeping profits above keeping our planet. And uh, I'm, I'm so pleased that LCV is helping to lead that charge. And, and uh, I guess I'll have to forgive you for my one vote. No, no, no. We're we, <laughs> listening. We got folks who got zeros. So yeah. we got that. So if people want to reach you and find you, what's the best way? Um, they want to get involved with the task force. They want to learn more about that. Yeah. H how, how can they find out more about you and the EJ task force? Well, they can go to my website, and the name is jayapal.house.gov. Jayapal.house.gov. Yeah, and it's jayapal.house.gov, and we'd love to hear from people and get people engaged and, and uh, do whatever we can to help and make sure that, you know, we're going to take the EJ task force on the road. I don't know if Nanette and Don told you that. but Well, we have a Think 100% uh, road show coming, so we're to get all three of you somehow in that regard. Uh, Congressman Jaya Paul, we thank you so much for your service. Um, thank you for what you're doing in the great state of Washington. And keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Thanks for making it cool. We really no, appreciate no. it. Make, make, make <laughs> def definitely. And that was jayapal.house.gov. And that's J-A-Y-A-P-A-L dot house dot gov. Go there. For more information, you just heard from the amazing congressman from the 7th District of Washington State. Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun. And I say, it's all right. This is Reverend Lennox Yearwood, Jr. And this is Mustafa Santiago Ali. We hope you enjoy this episode of Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. We have more episodes featuring stimulating conversations with some of today's most important and hottest figures in the climate and environmental movement and beyond. Rev and I invite you to continue listening to more episodes and subscribe to our podcast. Visit think100.info for more. 
We're opening up a dialogue on climate change and would love for you to join the conversation. So subscribe now. And also don't forget to follow us on social media at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Thanks again so much and keep listening. All power to the people. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think 100 Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. 100%.